God bless you all this morning. Amen. I hope you come to enter in worship. Amen. I just had this song going through my mind. My help. Amen. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help. My help cometh from.
want to speak the name of Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Oh, 
presence for this atmosphere, oh Jesus. Oh, we praise your name, oh Jesus. Oh God, oh Jesus, for the morning offering, oh God, we ask that you just bless it, oh Jesus, for the servant, oh God, for the work, oh God, that he be doing, oh Jesus. May it go forth, oh God, oh Jesus, and bless many out there, oh Jesus. Oh, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats this morning. Uh, we take the morning offering. I wonder if we can't sing. 
casting all my cares on you. Amen. We'll start with the, the verse. Oh, I left a barren land, oh, searching for rest, oh, stumbling around in amnesia, a bitterness and distress, but then I met the kids
great thing. Uh, who, who sends the presence of the Lord right now? It's been a wonderful opening, Brother Anthony. Wonderful yielding to the Holy Spirit. Brother Alex and Sister Danilin, are you going to come and bring your little baby forward? And we're going to have a baby dedication as we sing this little chorus again. And maybe you just want to worship him as, as they come and make themselves ready. Come on up. And so I'm casting all my cares on you. Joyce, listen Pharaoh is getting his children and he's destroying them but God has given us a token in his hour to put a protection over our children and that's a great protection indeed I just heard a statistic this morning brother Alex sister Dallin I heard a statistic that over 46 percent of America doesn't want to have children anymore they're afraid to bring them into the world think about it the fear that's on the land. But we have a token. We have a blood that watches over our children. And God bless this beautiful young couple. I married them in COVID. Is that true? How many were, were allowed? 15 at that time? I think 10. 10. <laughs> well, we got a lot more than 10 now. Um, this is Brother Alex, Sister Denlin, Ocutin. <laughs> and they have uh, God brought them together we had a lovely little ceremony at Newlands Golf Course it was beautiful and um, all the friends were outside facing the glass in the rain 
this government or all governments are of the devil. Okay? And we, but we were inside rejoicing. And you gave us a lovely dinner to take home. Uh, it was very sweet and lovely. We don't forget those things. We love the family of God, don't we? And, there, and it doesn't matter what the hardship is. God's going to watch over his children. So this morning, we have Dylan Axel. Dylan Axel. My, look at you. He's so attentive. He could teach a lot of us some lessons. But Dylan, um, I, I know obviously as a mother and father, you are so interested in, in naming a child. So Dylan means born near the water. Born near the water. So with that in mind, I want you to think of this scripture. In Psalms, David wrote in Psalms 1 and 3, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And Brother Bram makes reference to this scripture in the restoration of the bride tree. So this is the bridegroom tree planted by the rivers of water. He says, where is the bride tree going to be planted? Beside the bridegroom tree. So may Dylan drink and draw from that water. Bible also says in Zechariah 13 and 1, In that day there shall be a fountain opened in the house of David to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanliness. But the Brown makes a mention in broken cisterns. It was standing there by the fountain, this fountain filled with blood. That day standing there in the temple, in a time of storm, and it's stormy seas out there, but the prophet said, we'll crest every one of them. Perfect love casts out all fear. So this mother and father can cradle in their arms this blessed gift of God without fear of the storm because Jesus has come to walk on these waters. Amen. In Zechariah, the 13th chapter, he said, The fountain has been opened in the house of David for cleansing and cleansing of sin. He was that fountain, as David wrote in Psalms 36 and 9. He was David's fountain of life. May he be Dylan's fountain of life. May he be planted by these types of waters. Not broken cisterns, but a fountain that's been opened in the house of David. God has come down with a prophet's message that we can raise our children by these kind of waters. His second name, Strong, Axel. Now, not one of you know what Axel means. Nobody's here. I'd, I'd like Brother, Brother Vernon to come out at this time just before we close. Axel. Anybody here know what Axel means? Not the wheels on your, on your, or the Axel on your car. It's deeper than that. Axel actually comes from Absalom. David named his son Absalom, which means father is peace. Father is peace. Planted by the rivers of water. And may the peaceful presence of God so watch over this beautiful young baby boy as his parents are standing here as trophies of God's grace, love, and mercy. Waters that have been opened up in the house of David. May Dylan Axel 
have a life filled with God. And I feel very privileged and honored to have Brother Vernon Manahan, pastor from Manila, Philippines, to be here. He's going to pray with me as we dedicate this darling little boy to the Lord this morning. Let's bow our heads. that the glory of God rests upon this little boy, this little child. Lord, Pastor Vernon is standing here from the Philippines. Lord, you know us all. You knew this moment that we could greet together that the glory of God rests upon this young child. And Father, that the blessings will be poured out upon him. Lord, that the fountain of life will be his portion. That he will be planted by that river of living water. And Lord, may he enjoy the father of peace within his life. Give mommy and daddy, Lord, the wisdom and guidance needed to raise our children in this hour. So, Father, it's our privilege to dedicate Dylan Axel back to you for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Anthony. And then the Filipinos have a special for us as they come. Just want to greet all those who are visiting with us. We see some visitors with us. We ask that Lord be with you guys this morning, those on the internet and the hookups. <clears throat> also, a reminder that camp registration ends the 15th, Brother Michael? 15th of this week. So, if you haven't signed up, we want to make sure that you get that signed up uh, before the end of the week. Was there more announcements they had? Okay. All right. Let's just sing. As they come, how great is our God? How great is our God?
congregation we have what a wonderful group of saints gathered around the world in this little assembly and um, first of all I would love to bring to you brother Biscoll and sister Biscoll's greetings 
especially to the saints and to you, Brother Vernon, and to all that have traveled. God bless you from Brother Ed and Sister Ruth this morning. We think and, and pray for them often, and I know Brother Biscoe would want to be here this morning, and I know Sister Biscoe wanted to be here to greet you and to be a part of this meeting this morning, Brother Vernon. So God bless you from Brother and Sister Biscoe. Amen. Well, we had a wonderful time yesterday. The, the saints, the Philippine saints, put on a, a, a banquet for us. And we had a, a lovely time. And, and um, our precious brother Friesen and, uh, gave his testimony yesterday. And we want to thank you, Brother Friesen, Sister Ruth, for coming and being with us over this weekend. God bless you richly. We're going to do a podcast on his testimony. Brother Michael will be doing that. I believe we'll, Brother Tim will be doing a missions one with Brother Vernon. And then I'll be doing one with Brother Vernon regarding the, the assembly and the growth in the Philippines. So if you could remember that, remember us, that will be on Tuesday. And we'll be doing that in the podcast room. Sister Indy, Yossi, where are you? You're there. We didn't introduce you. Would you please stand? Amen. These are the daughters of Brother Vernon. God bless you, and we welcome you. (laughs) Sister Irene, why don't you stand too? Amen. God bless you. It's been lovely having you, and I trust it's been a rewarding trip thus far for you, and we welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. You may have your seats. On the 25th of June, we will be having communion. I wanted to announce that before we go into the summer season and people leave for all their holidays and different events that they'll be doing. So I'd like you to mark that down. It'll be the Sunday, June the 25th. And on the 26th will be the family prayer meeting night, following Monday night and prayer for for the next couple of months. We've been having just a tremendous time in the presence of the Lord for the last prayer meetings. Today, uh, we've taken up uh, an offering, um, and we gave our tithes and offerings. But I would like you also to remember that we do have a tithe and offering box at the back of the church. I had mentioned on Friday night that we'd like to give Brother Vernon a special love offering from this assembly. Um, I'm going to maybe say something they might not want me to say, but I'll say it. And, uh, and I just want you to, to understand, um, he made a comment, and I reiterated that comment on Friday night. He said that he'd been in the trenches. And when you're in missions, you are indeed in the trenches, especially in the beginnings when God starts to open up to a country, to a nation. Um, it's, that's not an easy affair. And um, Brother Tim knows that, going, for, going to Ethiopia and Uganda over these past years. And we've been a part of Brother Biscoe's ministry since 1981 when he went to India. And the years upon years that these brothers traveled to India. And we traveled and, and saw the churches grow and now flourishing. And, and, and now they're on their own and, and doing wonderful things. But we forget, fail to forget the hardships that the men of God had before it became a flourishing work. Brother Vernon sacrificed uh, his career uh, to see a work and works grow in the Philippines and work with Bible believers in the distribution, the making of tapes and books. And I was humbled. I will never forget, Brother Vernon, when you told me 
that there was a time where the girls, these girls, laid on cardboard and their pillows were phone books. I want you to think about that. And that's your little, your little darlings growing up. And they've sacrificed that to spread this message. And you wonder why a man of God can be blessed in the word and in his ministry. Because they've sacrificed everything. We sit in a, a very plush, pewed church. And we are indeed thankful for it. But the beginnings were a little house with planks and bricks. And now we see what God has done and, and we rejoice in the goodness of God. So I'd like to read the scripture. I read it to the, to the saints at the banquet in 1 Timothy 5 and 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those that labor in word and doctrine. And I, and I just broke it down a little bit. There's a few translations and I went back into the different scriptures in the diglot and different things. And the meaning means the elders who perform their leadership duties well are to be considered worthy of double honor. And as, as I said, one translator said that double honor is financial support, especially those who work hard at preaching, teaching the word of God concerning eternal salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, if, if you had forgotten to give an offering towards Brother Vernon, you know that we don't often mention or ask, but I think we would love to give Brother Vernon Manahan, pastor, um, a lovely love offering from Cloverdale Bible Way. And if, and if you've forgotten, well, we have the tithe box at the back, and you can write it down, Brother Vernon, love offering, if you had it on your heart to do so. So with great pleasure, um, who enjoyed Friday night? I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed it very much. And, we, of course, we have a number of other uh, announcements to make, and we'll make those in, in the week to come. We have grad coming up this following weekend. We want to remember our grads, and uh, especially the closing ceremonies. Brother Aaron McGeary will be our guest speaker for the grad and for our Sunday service. So we've been having a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. So why don't we stand as we invite our, our dear and precious brother Vernon Manahan to the pulpit. I'm amazed that you love me. Let's just sing that. I'm amazed you love me.
Amen. Amen. We are all amazed with the love of God. Amen. You may now be seated for a while and thank you, musicians. Good to see you, Brother Milko. God bless you. Amen. Sometimes you go to a church and you go back again and you don't see the people you used to see. It makes you a little bit sad. But if you see the people that you used to see before, it makes you happy. Amen. And I trust that the Lord has been good to all of us for the last years. And before we go to the preaching of the word, I'd just like to acknowledge or thank the, first of all, Brother Tom and Sister Joanne for their hospitality, for inviting us here. It is beyond our expectation that uh, we were treated so much uh, uh, that uh, I feel Brother Tom so unworthy for all the the hospitality and everything, and we spent time with our team and their family, Sister Sarah. And for the past times that I was here, we always spent time with our team, Mayor Murphy. I thank the, all the Filipino community here who has uh, sponsored the banquets last night. It is not an easy thing to do, but according to Barry Leon, they, they did it because of the love of God that is, that is in their hearts. And, you know, when you travel a lot in different countries and you see uh, people from your own country, it makes you more comfortable. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that uh, the Filipino brothers and sisters here are continuing to serve the Lord. And of course, not only them, every member here in the church. And it is always my great privilege, amen, and honor that uh, I would say that I've been a part of the ministry here in Cloverdale Bible Way. And I would maybe I would say I'm just one of the small pebble in the beach that, uh, you know, the uh, small part, but at least I have a small part. And all of you have a part in the, what the Lord has been doing for many, many years. I was watching last year the 50th anniversary, and while I was watching the anniversary with uh, Brother Ron speaking, Brother Tim, Tim, Tim speaking, and uh, I was just thinking that, how could it be that a church so far away from the Philippines and God has given me the privilege to be, uh, have a little part in this ministry and it makes me more uh, feel unworthy because I said to myself, this is a ministry that, you know, there are many witnesses of the prophet, but not all of them stood in the mainstream. Some went far away in the left, some went far away from the right, and some even made their own, quote-unquote, kingdom, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that with Brother Ed, of course, we're not lifting up a man, but we give credit to whom credit is due. And Brother, Brother Ed has uh, been uh, faithful to this word. Of course, when you become faithful, not everybody will like you because they are not faithful, right? So we don't care if they, if they criticize you or whatever because... Uh, it, uh, at the end of the day, it is God who will vindicate what you're doing for the Lord. And so I always, I, I told Brother Tom when he was in the Philippines, I said, if ever the Lord gives me a chance again to go back to Cloverdale, I'd just like to, to see Brother Ed also. And, uh, you know, I've thanked him a lot for many, many years, for, for many times, through email, personally. But in his, uh, in his age right now, if I can just, you know, just shake his hands and... Uh, uh, look forward to the time that we will all be young in our bodies. You know, when we go to eternity, it will not be a big camp meeting of old people. 
it will be a camp meeting of young people <laughs> because we will be turning to 21 and 18 and we will be the most, uh, uh, we will be at our peak of our age and we are so looking forward to that. You know, if you're young, you do not appreciate those things because you're young. But when you start getting old, it becomes a reality to you. You look forward to the changing of the body. That is the transition that we are looking to. We want to transition from, from this corruptible body uh, to an incorruptible body. And we are looking for, uh, uh, for that for very, very soon. Amen? And so, maybe I will continue now and uh, have you stand for a while and... Uh, just, let's just read a portion of the scriptures in continuation with what I've shared to you, a little message uh, that I shared to you last Friday, not something deep, but something that I pray that will speak to our hearts this morning. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 31, we'll be reading the first uh, three verses. Okay. First three verses. This is transition time for the leadership of Moses to Joshua. Chapter 31, verse 1. It says here, And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. And he said unto them, I am 120 years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord that said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over thee, before thee, as the Lord that said. Let's jump to verse 7 of the same chapter. chapter uh, verse 7, chapter 31. It says here, And Moses called unto Joshua, and said unto him in the sight of all Israel. Now, this is how you turn over leadership. You, you say it to the public, right? He said, Be strong and of good courage. For thou must go with these people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their hearts to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. Amen. God bless his word. Let's all bow our heads in prayer. In prayer. Father God, we have read your word, and as the prophet always says, the letter killeth, but your spirit giveth life. Lord, may you give life to these scriptures that we have read. Help me to expound it to the, to the ears and the hearts of the believers. And Lord, may you just have your way, have your preeminence. There's no new message that we can preach, but your anointing is always fresh every single day, every single service. So we seek, Lord, for your your, your pure anointing that you may have your way from my mouth, Lord, from, my, from your mind from, to my mouth, Lord, to the hearts and the ears of my brothers and sisters. Let the meditations of our hearts and, our, and the words of our lips be acceptable to you, for we ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. As the pastor in South Africa would always say, you may now take the comfort of your seats. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Not too comfortable that you might fall asleep. <laughs> Amen. So, this was a time of transition. These verses that we have read. You know, when I was working, years ago, I was working with IBM, Philippines. And 
there was a time that they will merge to another company that they bought from India. So during the merging, obviously, there was a change of leadership. And in that change of leadership, there were so many speculations, some of doubts, some of just, uh, they simply, uh, they're just, um, I would say, suspicious of what will happen to their benefits, to the compensation of the employees. And I think every time that there's a, uh, a change of command, I would say, there's always this feeling of the people, all right, that could, they, could this new leader cope up with the former leader? There's always a tendency to compare the former leadership to the new leadership. And there's a poem that we used to memorize when I was in the military. It says, do not compare yourself to others, for always there will be greater and lesser than yourself. If you compare yourself to others, you may become bitter or you may become vain. So comparison is not a good thing. Our standard is God. You are not my standard. I am not your standard. We can be role models, but we are not standards of anybody. Right? So during this time of, uh, there were uh, like two companies getting into one, change of leadership, and people were demanding, actually they were expecting something from the leaders. And so this new leader said, let's have a transition. Let's have a transition for a period of time that uh, they will, he will learn about the attitude because this is a foreigner and these are Filipinos and in, uh, from India, different culture, different things. All are uh, expert in IT and uh, all these things. But when it comes to cultural difference, it's, it's a big thing. So they have to, this new leader have to study the, the way the Filipinos go, how they work, their work attitude and everything. And it took a number of uh, months to transition for the people to accept the new leadership. And during that transition period, there will be groups that will arise. There is a, a good group that would submit to the new leadership. There is a not so good group that will not totally submit to the leadership, and there's a bad group that will not even try, right, to, to, to submit to the new leadership. And most of the time, those, the, the third group, they're kicked out from the company. <laughs> yeah? So actually, you have no choice because that's the employer. They have the prerogative to hire or to fire, right? That's management, right? And sometimes people are so, they have the feeling or the sense of entitlement that they want, you know, they, they are not the leaders, but they want to teach the leaders. See? But we, we can see here in the transition of Moses to Joshua, it was not Moses just turning over to Joshua. It was God himself. Joshua was uh, a pick or a choice of God himself. He could have picked Caleb. He could have picked maybe Korah, Dathan, or whoever there is. But he picked Joshua. Right? And you cannot ask God, why did you pick Joshua? Why not the cousin or the son of Moses, Gershon? Why not, why not other people? And the answer there is, God is God. 
He is sovereign. We cannot question what He does. All we have to do is to surrender and submit to the flow of leadership. And there's a continuity of this time. So Moses is starting to turn over the responsibility that the Lord has given him. Moses, the prophet said, was a great prophet. God made him a prophet. It was not Moses who wanted to be a prophet. The, 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 Brother Branham said, God made him a prophet. God trusted Moses because he was born to be a prophet. God foreordained that. When he told Abraham he'd bring the, his people out, he was born a proper child. And when he came out, what a marvelous boy. He said, and he had his ups and downs. In other words, Moses was human. He can make mistakes. And sometimes people will first look at the mistakes of a new leader, right? Or maybe the former leader. Uh, that is what people master. They master the art of criticism, <laughs> right? Instead of uh, looking for the good things in a person, they would like to look at the negative things of a person. And Moses, the prophet of God, the Christ of his age, the prophet said, has his ups and downs. In the wilderness, God told Moses, go speak to the rock and it will bring forth its water. Instead of Moses speaking to the rock, he smote the rock. And that was one time that God's complete program was broken. So God, you know, he, he, Brother Branham said here that Christ was only smitten once. We don't smite him anymore. We speak to him. But Moses, after the rock had done been smitten, he smote it again. It didn't bring the waters. He smote it again. He was a prophet. No question about that. He had the power and authority from God to do whatever he wanted to do in that manner. But he broke God's commandment. This is a prophet of God. He broke God's commandment. God broke, uh, and, and, and the prophet said, God dealt with Moses later about that. You cannot do something wrong, even you're a prophet, a pastor, or whoever you are, that God will not deal with you. Amen. So we have to be very, very careful in our actions, in the way we talk in the way we treat other people, because God will deal with us. He wouldn't let him go over the promised land. Now look, he said here, look at Moses. He had part, this is from another message. It wasn't God's will to bring water out of the rock. The second time, you are supposed to speak it, not smite it. So we know the story here. Amen? And Moses, because of that, he was not, he was not given the opportunity to cross. He saw the promised land. Amen? But he was not able to cross to the promised land. And sometimes, if you don't have the revelation, we would think that this Mo Moses was not, uh, uh, I would say, he's not qualified to cross the promised land. But it was not that he's not qualified because God has his program. Moses was to bring the people out of Egypt, but Joshua was commissioned to bring the people to the promised land. Going out and getting in. Moses was responsible for this thing and Joshua was responsible for another thing. That is, that is I would say, the program of God. Amen. Now, in, in chapter 34 of this same book, Deuteronomy, chapter 34, verse 5, it says here, So Moses, after his speech, he said, Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Bethpeor, but no man knoweth his sepulchre unto this day. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. How many people 
who reached their 120th year that their eyes did not dim. Therefore, their natural strength did not, uh, did not uh, the word obeyed, it was not removed from him. He was still strong. You know why? Because God was showing us that Moses was not a wash-up prophet. We have a saying in the armed forces of the Philippines, when a general retires, they gave him like a plaque of appreciation for the years of service. And in the middle of that plaque, it says there, old soldiers never die. They just fade away. <laughs> you know, when you're a minister of a God, you do not die. Bride actually do not die. We just fade away. You may not see these people around you, but they are not dead. And they may die physically, but we know that when we die physically, we're in the presence of the Lord. We will just fade away from this earth, but we will go back in a glorified form. Right? And so, here is Moses. As old as he can be, however, he's still very strong. Amen? And the children, verse 8 said, of Israel wept for Moses in the place of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. In other words, after the ministry of Moses, there is a continuity of the ministry. They don't have to cry for the next 300 years. See? They have to, they have to move on. Because there's still something to be accomplished in their lives as a, as a, as a nation. Verse 9 says, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So while there was a transition from Moses to Joshua, God did not forget what, was, what, what Moses did. In fact, it, was written, it is written here, uh, as we have read, that there is no prophet in Israel like unto Moses. Because he was the only prophet, see, that knew God face to face. And he was the only person whom God talked lip to ear. Nobody uh, has experienced that thing. So Moses was a great prophet. But it's time to go. It's transition time. There's a leadership. And the prophet said, spirits never die. If the leadership is from the Holy Spirit... The next leadership is still from the Holy Spirit, and it's the continuity of the move of the Holy Spirit. No matter who becomes the next leader. See? Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. He says here, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. So from the time that he was turning over, Amen? To the time that he died, now God was calling now to Joshua. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan and all the people unto the land which I do give to him, even to the children of Israel. Amen? So here is, Mo, here is Joshua now getting commissioned. And verse 6 says here, Be strong and of good courage, for unto thee, unto these people shalt thou divide for an inheritance of the land. Moses never had the opportunity 
to divide the inheritance of the land to the people because that was not part of his ministry. Joshua was not greater than Moses. Moses was not greater than Joshua. It's all about the works of God. Amen. We just be thankful that we are part of this work of God. And it says here, uh, turn not from, this is part of verse 7, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou go, goest. In other words, the, the, the Lord was telling Joshua, stay focused. When Brother Tom was preaching about the cage breaker, he said the word, stay focused. Amen. We have to stay focused on the mission at hand. There are people who are results-oriented. They want results. Uh, if you're working in a corporate, you would know that there are, we have managers that are result-oriented. And they want result, result, result. They don't, want, they don't care about the people. It's a bad thing for me. Uh, and some people are people-oriented. They love the people. See? They love the people, but they don't care about the results. So not, no job is being done. So either your results oriented or people oriented, they think that is wrong. We should be missions oriented. A person that is mission oriented will be result oriented. At the same time, you will be people oriented. You have the balance of these things because you want to accomplish a mission. And I believe that all of us here, no matter how small or big it is, we all have a mission in life. And after that mission is finished, then we go home. We turn it over. We transition to other people. See? You do not hold so much. See? Hold things loosely. Because there's no permanent position in this earth. I cannot say that I'll be a pastor for the next 100 years. See? I say that there will be a time that I cannot speak anymore. And I ask Brother Tom, the the pastor from Georgia, he's in his 80s now. I, I asked him before. I said, how do you know that the Lord is telling you to stop preaching? Yeah. This is wisdom. And he said, when I keep repeating my words. <laughs> so by the grace of God, I, I hope I'm not repeating my words yet. <laughs> right? That means you're not in your right mind anymore. What, but what we are trying to tell my brothers and my sisters, there's always an end of everything. This is not permanent. We are in this, in, the, in this dimension called time. You, there's a beginning. There's an ending. You have to do what you want to do in that period of time. Then you go. At the, end of the, at the end of your life, there will be no regrets if you have done our best. See, if you look at the mirror and you say, every time you look at the mirror, say, I have done my best. It might not be the best for the others, but if you are doing your best and God is seeing you, then you can be contented in what you have accomplished, right? So the, we, we see here the stages of transition. There will be a proper turnover. People will, will receive the next leadership, except for some few people. But strength and courage will be required to carry on the mission at hand. He will not, Joshua was not repeating what Moses did. He didn't went back and try to divide the Red Sea. Because that is not the call for his ministry. But he did something similar to that when he divided Jordan. See? He did not replicate or duplicate what Moses was doing. See? Some, this is, this is, this is a reality, my brothers, my sisters, that there are people in the message, there are Moses people. They always, the prophet, the prophet, the prophet. Right? 
And some in the message are Korah and Dathan people. Does the Lord only talk to Moses? That's an attitude, a wrong attitude. Right? In the message, there are Aaron people. Because of the pressure of the people, they compromise. Amen. Right? But we believe that we are part of the Joshua people. We continue. Whatever was turned over to us, it will be continued. Right? We see here that there's a continuity of God's work. It does not stop in a certain man or a certain church or a certain ministry. We have to understand that the, the Spirit of God is always alive working into the lives of the people to continue the ministry. It not may be the same or as big as the previous ministry, but you still have a ministry. In our church in the Philippines, I am the third pastor. The first pastor, he was, we were an outreach. And then seven years late, three, for three years, we were, we were an outreach of a certain church in Manila. And after three years, he ordained another pastor, another brother to be a pastor in that church. And it ran to seven years. After seven years, this pastor, he, he, he went and concentrated in one of our outreaches. And from that time on to this time, 18 years, I took over the pastoral leadership. Now, there's no comparison which pastor is the greatest, right? But what I, I, I realized and learned from my experience is this is the continuity of God's work. You see, it's always it's all in the Bible. Moses to Joshua, Elijah to Elisha, Jesus Christ to his apostles, Paul to Timothy, and Brother Branham. Amen. Before he left, he did not turn it over to a certain man. Which other claim that they are the next prophet, or the eighth prophet, or the ninth, or the tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteen? Huh? See? But this is all just mental conception of these people. But if you want to know where did Brother Branham turn over the bride, it is written, right? In, the, in, the, in his last message, in the, in the message leadership that was preached in December 7, 19, or uh, this, yeah, uh, December 7, 1965, right? And he, he did not state, okay, I'm turning you over to the Holy Spirit. But if you read between the lines, it was in his prayer, his closing prayer. Let me read that to you. He said, this part, this part, he said, Father, we want to be like Moses. This is the message leadership, right? He preached it a number of times. But in this specific last message, because after this was communion service, then he passed away, right? He said, we want to be led by your Holy Son, Jesus Christ, to eternal life. Give it to our hearts tonight, Lord. Tear out, tear out the old stony heart. Place it into the new heart, the heart of flesh, the heart that you can talk to and deal with and will not be haughty or different. May the Holy Spirit never leave, Lord. This part of the prayer. May it come and ordain these people, speak to them, tear up their stony will and put in the will of God. Save everyone, Father. Give us their love. Get us to a place, Lord, that will get away from all the emotional part to the real solid part of the feeling and the heartfelt part now, Brother Bannon did that that he was already dying. But notice his prayer here. The, 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 the deepness of the Spirit, the riches of God, the kingdom of the Spirit of, and, in our hearts. And then in another part of this prayer, he said, Oh, great leader of eternal life, we accept. The first paragraph he was praying, Lord, let your Holy Spirit come down to these people. Change their attitude. 
from emotional part to a real solid part. And then he said, Oh, great leader of eternal life, we accept. It's no use of just praying without accepting. He said, we accept your promise tonight. Father, I plead for these people, and I believe we are part of that people. I said, I plead for every one of them in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that Christ, the Son of God, will come into the hearts of every one of us, Lord, and mold us and make us into a new creature of Jesus Christ. Grant it, Lord God. We love you, and we want our dispositions, our change to come into us. It was basically saying, I want these people to transition into what they need to be. Right? That we can be your children, filled of your Holy Spirit, moving in our hearts. Lord, tendering us and bringing us to a realization of this insane age that we're living in, granted God. And I believe God has granted that. Amen? Amen? So what are we saying here? In every transition, in, in, in the pattern of the Bible, leadership turned over to another leadership until it came to our age that when the prophet was to be removed from the scene, it's about time for him to go very young, 56 years old, right? But it was, you know, 56 is a good number. That is the, the eighth, seventh cycle of your life. It's a complete. So it's not, a, I would say it's not an accident that he died in 56, not 55, not 57. Yeah? Because it's Bible numerics, right? Now, when the, when the prophet left the scene, the Holy Spirit continued. Where? Through the fivefold ministry. The fivefold ministry. And the same anointing, the same Holy Spirit that anointed the prophet, anointed the fivefold ministry from that time, 1960s, to this time. I was just born. I was just two months old when the prophet died. I was born 1965. So I never knew anything about this. But who, who can imagine that after a number of years, at the age of 30, I will receive the message, and after three years, I will be preaching the message, see, from a prophet that died just before I was born, right? So what, I'm, what we can see here, my brothers, is the continuity of everything until the Lord comes. And we, we, we realize, my brothers, my sisters, in the season of transition, we have to understand that it is God working in us. Now, we are not talking about no company. We are not talking churches. We are talking about our, our, our spiritual life. It is continuous, continuous, continuous. God will use people. God will use ministers in the pulpit. God will use brothers and sisters to, to mature each and every one. But then again, it is a transition time. Because we are being, God is in the business of changing us from what we are to what we are supposed to be. So life is a continuous transition. Now, this is another point I would like to, to, to tell you. I, I, I'm speaking about principles here now. We have to recognize the season of transition. Because if you do not recognize that it's already a season of transition personally to you, you will just continue doing what you're doing. You're just, the prophet said, you're just carrying on. Right? No. You, every time you wake up, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Not tomorrow, not yesterday, not later, but today. Right? Now, as I was saying, we have to recognize. So let's go to 1 Kings 17. And we will pick up some principles here. The time of Elijah during the, the, the drought where there's no rain, so there's no water. Right? And water is life. 1 Kings 17 verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, 
who was the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain this years, but according to my word. Verse 2, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Now, this is what I want you to, to, to catch. Every transition, it begins with the word of the Lord. He will speak to you, either to the preaching of the word, or sometimes you're just reading your Bible and that, that verse just pops out and becomes alive. Or maybe you are witnessing to others or just having fellowship with a fellow brother or fellow sister. And they uttered a word. And when they uttered the word, it became alive to you. What is that? God is telling you something. God is telling you it's about time to transition. Right? So in a time or in a season of transition, it begins with the word of God. Now verse 3. Okay, that's the first principle now. Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherit that is before Jordan. Okay, Cherit means a cutting or separation. It's located just before Jordan, which means death, right? And God did Elijah, I'm taking this from the message, God did Elijah by the brook when he learned, where he would learn to trust God in isolation and obscurity. Transition indicates waiting. When you, have, when you are in the season of transition, God will teach us how to wait. Amen. He'll be waiting. Sometimes it's long time of waiting. Some, sometimes it's short. But there's no actually time limit for the waiting time. Why? Because God is teaching us something in isolation. He learned uh, Elijah learned to wait for, for, for God's specific direction. God does not lay out his plan at once. Who knew that the plan of God in your life, for, the next, uh, for example, looking behind, I would never know the plan of God in my life for the next 30 years when I turn 30. I never knew it. You have to live day by day by day, discover. That's why the Bible said, give us today our daily bread. Not our weekly, not our monthly. Because we have to ask from God daily. Amen. And sometimes the plan of God, it does not lay the blueprint of our life all at once. Because we need to learn how to wait. And to train our faith that God is in control of our life. So we have to wait. Here is the principle of waiting. When God chooses to hide you for a time, it is a transition as He's preparing you for a greater purpose. Don't fret. Right? If it, nothing is happening for you, first year, second year, third year, fourth year. I was talking to young brothers in, uh, in, during our youth camp. Uh, it is a joint churches uh, youth camp last uh, April. And I was talking about their careers. And, you know, one of the questions that they raised, how do we know, uh, how long will we stay in a company if you are not getting promoted? And I said, promotion comes from the Lord. It does not come from your boss, your company. Just wait. Sometimes God is teaching us to wait. It's not because of your skills. It's not because of your connection. It's not because you're beautiful or you're handsome. It has nothing to do with our promotion. If the Lord wants to promote us, He will promote us. And it's always for a reason, for a purpose. So sometimes God chooses to hide you. And then we talk about ministry. And the, these young brothers would ask me, 
how do we know that God is calling us for ministry? And I said, wait. That's not rocket science. Wait. You wait upon the Lord. Is there any formula that the Lord is calling you? Wait. And when you wait, and you know that God is calling you, you will know that God is calling you. You don't have to have this you know, supernatural things that happen, that's happening. You see, uh, wind, rushing wind, yeah? earthquake, right? fire. If that's happening, that's natural disaster. That's not calling. Right? <laughs> Amen. So don't look for the big things in life. You know, if God will call you, God will call you. Even in your sleep, you will know it. Don't look for a pillar of light, you know, or a blinding light. See? It's not good. Right? Verse 4, and he said, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens. That was what Brother Friesen was telling in his testimony last night. Uh, and so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. So transition involves obedience to the word of God. For he went and dwelt by the brook chariot that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Now, what is so special about the raven? God could have picked up a dove, an eagle. These are uh, good birds, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a good symbol. If you have a symbol of a, a dove or eagle in the pulpit, but no pastor in the message is a raven in the pulpit. Yeah? So ravens, my brothers and sisters, these are unclean birds. The first mention of the Bible about the raven was when Noah, after the 40 days flood, he released a raven, right? And it never come back. That means the character of a raven, what he sees, he takes it from himself. So God has to choose some animal or some fowl in the air, unclean bird, so that he can turn the character of that raven to feed his servant. Because if it was a dove, or maybe a dog, or maybe an eagle, it's not, it's not special. Because they are eagles, or dove, or a pet dog. But if it is a raven, then it must be that the Lord has something done to this raven. Amen? So this raven, they're type of the unbelievers, or I would say, this is my now, like a denominational church, a Christian, Okay? Now, God can turn our character to what He wants us to be. Sometimes God uses the unbelievers or the denomination to make you aware of the Word of God. When I was not yet a believer, we were every 6 o'clock in the evening after work, we drink a couple of beers, right? Just to relax after a whole day's work. And that couple of beers become two dozens of beer, right? And while we were drinking, I have a colleague in the work that reads the Bible. And they would quote verses from Isaiah, verses from Jeremiah, and they were drinking. But he was quoting the word. And while he was quoting, something is happening in my heart. I said, what he's saying is true, but his face is not true. <laughs> right? I mean, he has, he's not living the right life, but the word is alive. And I believe that was the seed in me responding to the word. Not to the beer, right? And while he was continuously, every time, every end of the day, I would say, let's go drink. Not because I want to drink, but because I want to hear what he was saying. 
what he was saying. Eventually, no, I, I, I had this, this passion of hearing more of the word of God and then I started watching the televangelist and rehearing. God can feed us through ravens. God can use denominational, uh, our denominational background to hear the basic things of God. Amen. Like simple salvation. So we cannot just throw it away, right? But that is, this is part of the transition, right? So what I'm telling here, that during, the, the, during a transition, it will always include provision. When God gives you a vision... There should be a provision. So God was providing for Elijah. Type it to us now. God was providing to us. We were transitioning from an unbeliever to becoming a believer. Some of you uh, passed through a, a denominational church. Some went straight to a message church. But you were just members of a church. Right? It, you, you were just a member of a church. You were not uh, so serious about your word. And I was hearing some testimonies yesterday, like for example, uh, some of the brothers here, where, where they came from another country, they were not so uh, uh, serious about the message because they were born in the message, raised up in the message, and they have to go to somewhere else to realize that they need, right, to, to have a, a deeper relation with God. And even my children, for example, they grew up in the message, and I, I'm always telling them, you have to have an experience with God because I cannot give to you my faith. No parents can give you. We can be role models to them, but they have to be born again. And unless they're born again, they're still in their old nature, right? And so God, right, can turn this counter now. And now we see uh, in verse 7, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. This was the first provision of God, the brook and the raven. But it came to pass that after this period of time, it dried up. Why did it dry up? Because it's about time to move. It's about time to transition. So sometimes we were in the, when we were yet in the denominational church, we would say, I feel dry. I feel empty. There's nothing in the preaching of the word. Why? Because God is drying up the provision. And when God dries the provision, that means it's time to go. You don't have to wait. The waiting is over. Now, the provisions is dried. That means God is telling, move on. Move on. Don't stay there. Right? This is the principle of the open door and the closed door. When, when you are applying for a job and you want to know if it is the will of God or not the will of God, sometimes you use the principle of open doors and closed doors. See? If God is giving you an open door, it might be God is telling you to go to that direction. If God closes the door, no matter how qualified you are, that means God is telling you, don't go there. Put it in the ministry. If you're going to a mission works, doing mission works, and God is closing the doors, don't insist on going to that mission field because it's not the will of God in that time. But if God opens the door, no matter how poor the country is, no matter how uncomfortable the, the country is, go there. Because it is, God, it is where God is leading you. Now, uh, I will sidetrack a little bit. Go to Acts chapter 16, verse 6. He says here, this is Paul now. 
He had, he had this desire to preach the word in Asia. Chapter 16, verse 6. Now when they had gone to Phrygia, Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. That's verse 6 of Acts chapter 16. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So one closed door after another closed door. Right? And they passing by Mysia came uh, to throw us. And the vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed to him, Come over unto Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia. Why? Because assuredly he said, They're gathering that the Lord has called us to preach the gospel unto them. Now, the desire, the motive and objective of Paul was to preach the word to Asia. But that's not the desire of God. It doesn't mean that you have the desire. That means God is calling us. Sometimes you have to look at the open door and the closed door. What God has opened, no man can shut. And what God has shut, no man can open. Right? And so, if we know this principle of open doors, and we, we, can, we can be, uh, it will be easier for us, my brothers, my sisters, to, to, to go to the direction that God is leading us. Now, we go back to 1 Kings 17. The Lord dried up the brook. I would say like the denominational church or you are already attending a message church but it seems to be that nothing is happening in your life. Right? So the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath which belongeth to Sidon and where dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. So from being sustained from the brook and from the raven, now you will be sustained by a woman. Now, a woman, the prophet said, types the church. It's not enough that you're listening to somebody witnessing to you. You have to go look for a home church. The prophet said, we have to have a home church. We have to, to have a pastor that we will submit to, to pay our tithes, to be part of what God is doing in the church. See? And I, I, I charge you, my brothers and sisters, with all respect. If you are just a member of this church... A member, just a member of this church, right? But you have no deep involvement of what the church is doing. Start praying. Start asking the Lord. It's not enough that we are blessed by the preaching of the word. We have to ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? See? So here, he's, he, 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 uh, Elijah was being sustained by a woman. You have now... He, if we type it to our uh, situation, we have now transitioned from being in the denomination or just an unbeliever to becoming a member of a message church. Now you are a member of a message church. You may have grown up in a message church because your parents are message believers. You, are, you may have seen some supernatural things, the first pool, the second pool, because when, he was in the, when Elijah was in the house of, uh, of that woman, there was miracles. The cruise and the oil, the, the, the wheat and the oil, and the, the, the boy died and he was sustained back to life. So when you become a part of the church, you can see the supernatural. You experience the first pool, the third pool, but that is not enough, right? But that, if, you, if you just go to a church, and I trust no one is just going to a church, but we are so involved, 
right? We have the passion. That is just what you are, a member of the church until the Lord takes hold of our heart. And you are now, uh, we will just be a regular attendee. But it always thrills my heart. If I hear testimonies from young people, not only in this church, but in other churches as well, when they say that uh, they attended a camp or a certain Sunday regular service, the Lord spoke to them, God took, God took a hold of their, hand, their, their hearts, and now they're serving God with more passion. With more passion. Right? And how do you know that you have passion for God? The prophet said, you cannot wait them doors to open. There's no reason why we do not go to church. We, cannot, we, can, we can reason out for our job, the geographical location, and all these things. But that's just a reason. And it's not a valid reason. Because if you love the Lord, surely there's no distance. If you are a young man courting a beautiful young lady and he lives in Saskatchewan and you want to see her and you live in Cloverdale, I don't think distance will matter. You know why? Because the son of Brother Leon Daniel, whom Brother Tom married uh, last year, the sister was in the Philippines. Daniel was in Canada. Was it, is it far? Can you swim from Canada <laughs> to the Philippines? But because Daniel loves Shekinah, no distance, absolutely no distance. And now he say, oh, I, re- I live in Vancouver. I cannot go to the midweek service. Really? You cannot go? How far is Vancouver to Cloverdale? And sometimes we don't want to hear those things. But I have to say it. Because I'll be going home next week. <laughs> so, Brother Tom will have to fix that for me. But, but this is God telling you, let us be passionate in attending the church. If you want, if we are in the season of transition for the rapture, we have to, to be more passionate in our service to God. It's no longer the influence of others to them, but, but it should be between you and God. You have to wrestle with God and prevail. Huh? It will not be a smooth sailing thing. If you are just, if you, you want to get serious with God, huh? and sometimes along the way, you will have victories. You will have lots of challenges. Like Elijah himself, he went through Mount Carmel, it was victory. But then he went to a juniper tree. It was a time of depression. Elijah, the great prophet of restoration, was found running from the presence of Jezebel. Now, in our life, we will experience the same thing. Depression, but God knows how to take us out of it, right? So, when Elijah, the prophet, experienced the juniper tree, right? Depression, he was depressed. He thought that everything that he did, this came after a victory in Mount Carmel, right? I won't expound it, you you know this already, right? But in, in, in verse 5, 1 Kings 19, he said, As he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him, and said, Arise and eat. 
Because the journey is too great for thee. Right? Now, in verse 8, And he arose and did eat and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb the Mount. First, he was being fed by a raven and from the book, Brook Cherit, it, he transitioned from becoming a member of a church, a woman feeding him. But this time, it was the angel feeding him. And what is the angel? A messenger. Now we are, before we are just message believers, message church attendees, but now the message become real to you. It was like, it is like the prophet speaking to you directly. We do not, we know that Brother Ed Biscal is the, a witness to the prophet. And we, I, I love hearing his testimonies. It's a good thing that this was all recorded. But I want to experience something from the prophet that it makes it real to me. Not just a second-hand testimony or a second-hand revelation. It is the prophet talking to you. Because the transition is from an unbeliever to a church, and now the angel himself will feed you. That when you read a certain spoken word, when you read, hear a certain message, it's so alive to you. This is, you would say that this is what the, the, the ministers here in the church are preaching about. That's why we, the, the, the Paul said, be like the Bereans after he preaches. Check the scriptures. Sometimes we, we, we read the quote. Don't just re- he listen to the reading of the quote. Go home. Read the whole message. So we would understand what the preacher was quoting. Right? And when you know the message, you would know the difference from a true message church to a non-message church. Because that spirit is a spirit of discernment, right? So we have to realize, no? when, when, when we are fed by the messenger himself, we start to realize, we can read this in the message, who you are. We realize our origin. We realize our destiny. And by realizing our origin and destiny, we can now seek for a greater purpose in our life. Now you know, you, you know now what to do in this present life. We become passionate about the service of the Lord. Amen. See? Or the service to the Lord and you get more involved. It's not just, okay, I want to attend the church and while here you're thinking what will be your next appointment later at 2 o'clock. See? And I, I mean, I, I'm telling that even to our own church because they will go to church and you know, you know, preachers, I know that all preachers have this. I can look to your eye. I can look to your eye. And I would know if you are understanding anything or not. That is a gift of the preacher. Right? That I can look. Is it registering or just you're just looking, looking at me? So it's good that a preacher looks to the eyes. And sometimes the people that are not listening, they will say, you know why? Because... They are physically present, but they are spiritually absent in the congregation. That's why it's good for a preacher to look in the eyes of the people. Of course, if it's that far, I cannot see them. Okay? So you're, you're excused. <laughs> see? So now it doesn't stop from being fed. So we see the first pool in the ministry of Barbar, and we see the second pool. And in verse 9, it says here, He came tighter into a cave, and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord come unto him, saying, What doest thou here, Elijah? The prophet uh, preached about a whole sermon with the title, What doest thou here, Elijah? 
And we jump to verse 11. He said, he said, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great strong wind, rent the mountains, breaking pieces in the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. And the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. The prophet said, he was, he's not in the big things, the noisy things of life. Right? Not in the big meetings, not in the noise and great things. Now, after all these noisy things, it was the still small voice. What is that? It is the third pool. The prophet said, it is not a public show. And Brother Branham was trying to explain uh, that he was stopped by the angel of God. See? Because it's something that you and, I, you and the Lord will have to talk about. I cannot even preach about the third pool. If the prophet was stopped, how can I explain it? But, the, but in that quote-unquote cave, where you and God alone, you will hear that still small voice. And when you hear that still small voice, you will be commissioned of what God wants you to do. Right? Elijah was thinking that it's all over. But the, the, prophet, the, 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 the angel of the, the God himself told him, it's not yet over. You have to anoint Elisha, Hazel, and Jehu. See? And this is not a public show. It's between you and God. It's no longer intellectual conception, right? But it's a spiritual revelation personally revealed to you. And sometimes people cannot understand you. There are most of the times my wife do not understand me. He was, when we are in the house, she's talking to me. And I sometimes... She thought I was not listening. But sometimes you're dealing with, when God is dealing with you, you don't want to talk to anybody, in anybody, not even your wife, right? Not because I hate my wife, but because God is dealing with you, right? Because God is telling you something, not because I'm preparing for a preaching, but because God deals with us individually. And then we are anchored to that revelation. No one can take that away from you, Right? No one can take that away from you. And when this uh, spiritual revelation comes to you personally now, personally, the Bible said, the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, which is of course the Lord, the, uh, the word of God, and the truth shall make you free. So we can read that in John chapter 8, verse 31. Ver, uh, chapter, uh, verse 32, that it says, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But in verse 36, it says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So what's the difference between setting you free and being free indeed? Right? See? Now the Spirit, in John chapter 16, verse 13, it said, The Spirit of truth, when He is come, He will guide you into all truth. So the Spirit of the truth, the prophet said, is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. And it was released. By the opening of the seals. So you cannot preach this to denominational churches. Now, to make you free means that when you accept the truth, which is the word of God, you are made free. Right? But to be free indeed, you have to remain believing and submitted to the word of God. Many of the believers were set free when they accepted the message. But they, did not, they were not free indeed. Because they did not remain they did not fully submit to the, to, the, to the word of God. So when we do our best to abide and remain in Christ, 
Then we realize that there's a battle going on inside of you. It's not outside of you. It's not the battle is not between you or your brother or sister or the ministers of the church. It is between you and yourself alone. Right? And you need, when, when that battle comes in your life, we have to meditate on Romans chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8. Now, I will not read the whole three, chapter, three, three chapters of Romans. I will just read a few. It says here in verse 11, chapter 6, Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead, indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Let not sin therefore reign in your body. There's an action that we have to do. We should allow sin to reign in our mortal body. And it says in verse 13, it says here that neither yield ye your members as instrument of unrighteousness, but make it as mem- your members as instrument of righteousness. It's always the opposite. Then, in verse 14, it will happen that sin shall not have dominion over you. The reason why sin has dominion over us, the reason why, why sin has dominion over us, because we let sin reign in our mortal body. And sometimes people may think that if you're a minister of the word, that you never commit mistake, or you should not make mistake, or should you, you, you don't have a struggle. My a good friend, Brother Ernie, when he was still alive, when I went here, or when I went here back uh, 2019, we were always talking by the phone. And there was a time, you know, that, that he was, uh, he had this uh, sickness in the foot. He cannot walk. He cannot go out of the house. And he was telling me, he was telling me that in the days that he was just inside his house, he cannot go out. God was dealing with him, turning every stone in his life. All the things that he have done wrong, Earlier in his life, God was reminding him. And that was 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017. Never knew that he will die in 2021, right? As 2021, he died. See? But God, by his grace and sovereignty, he was dealing with already with Brother Ernie, a minister of God. And you would think that he doesn't have that kind of struggle in his flesh. He had. Of course, he did not specify what, what those things. But it gave me a lesson. That even though I'm a minister, I'm a pastor, or you are believers for a long time, we always have to make daily inventory. Sometimes you are too busy, so God will say, Ernie, stop walking. <laughs> I will give you this. I, I forgot the name of the sickness, but he cannot walk. Otherwise, if he can walk, he just go and evangelize. And that's a good thing to do. But God wants to deal with him. That's what he said, Brother Vernon, God wants to deal with me personally. Personally. It, it was not a matter of months. It was years and years and years. And the last time we were, we were together, we were in a mission trip in Cambodia. It's kind of feeling, I saw him, it's not the, 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 the old brother Ernie that is uh, strong and jumping and running and preaching with all the rhymes and rhythms, right? <laughs> he, was, he, he preached very, very short. Just about 30 minutes with interpreter. I said, this is not brother Ernie. This is not brother Ernie. 
And while in the hotel room, we were talking, he said, you know, there will come a time in your life that God will deal with you. He will expose everything, and uh, you have to, to really repent. And, and he was telling that to me, right? And said, I was not even understanding what he was trying to tell. And then I heard from Brother Tom that he passed away. And all those years I was thinking, it was a grace of God. It was a grace of God that before he takes us home, he will deal with us personally in our own little cave, right? So in chapter 7, it says here, verse 18, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. This is Paul. The first church messenger, he said that there's no good thing dwelling in him. For to will is present with me, but how to perform it, that which is good, I, found, I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, this is what the prophet said in a question, one of the questions and answers. He said, as long as you're in this life, as long as you're in this life, no matter what uh, uh, status of your life may be, you're going to be sticky and have a carnal nature. That's going to bother you as long as you live. Alright? But the inside of you, you're born again. See? We are a triune being. Body, spirit, and soul. Soul is the believer. Spirit is the make-believer. The flesh is the unbeliever. This flesh will never be born again. That's why this needs to be glorified. Right? But the inside of you, so he says, you're born again. When you're raised up, you're in the likeness of Christ, and all sin is gone. Now, in Romans chapter 8, these are familiar verses. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ who walk after, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And he said in verse 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So what Paul was telling in Romans chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, we cannot overcome this flesh. But our soul, the inner man, the inside man, is already born again. So we, 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 we try to do the right thing. We do not expose. The Bible said, stay away from all appearance of evil. Stay away. If you are a healthy man, do not hold any sister besides their hands. And do not hold it too long. Sometimes you're shaking hands. One minute, two minutes. That's not shaking of hands, right? There's something, there's a hidden agenda. I will talk about that on Wednesday. <laughs> See, because we are so, uh, sometimes we, we, we're so complacent. Oh, I was, I'm born again already. I can do this and do that. No, as long as we're in this flesh, we'll, be, we'll have that carnal nature. Do not look to the eyes of a sister, my brothers. Too long. Too long. Because if you look direct to the eyes of a sister, especially if you're young, then she might think that you are attracted to him already and you know, sometimes things happen the wrong way. It's not only for the young people, even for, for older people, especially the married ones. We should be very, very careful. We do not clown around with people that are not our wife or not our husband. That's why there are many stories in message churches. People falling from adultery, in adultery or fornication because it started with the eye-to-eye contact. 
holding the sister, holding the brother, too long, right? You might say, you're so conservative. No, I'm not conservative. I'm a believer. (laughs) If you're a believer, you just say amen, Amen. right? You don't don't need to, to reason out and everything because that's the truth, right? And so, the Bible said here, I mean, the message, the unity of one God in His one church said, God sits on the throne of your heart, in His control room, controlling your emotions, controlling your powers, controlling your conceptions, and making you one of, with Him in fellowship and in love. God fills you with love. He fills you with power. He fills you with the Spirit. He fills you with His own divine nature. And it changes your carnal nature. So we are not just transitioning in this earthly life. We are transitioning from what we are. Eventually to what God, has to, uh, what God wants us to be. And then eventually we transition to a glorified body. Right? So the Bible said we should reckon ourselves dead. Okay? Now, let me read to you some quotes and we will be closing in a little while. He says that... The message of adoption too. But the thing I want to try to get to you is this. That a man that is in Christ with the Holy Ghost can bear with a man when he's wrong. Now this is a little bit touchy, I would say. Because there are message believers for a long time. But their attitude is not so good towards somebody that does have, have done something wrong to them. Right? But the prophet said, if you're a man... That is in Christ and the Holy Ghost. You can bury the man that he's wrong. When he's wrong. He said, never be negative, always positive. He's a different person. Sometimes you can be waiting for the rapture. So blessed in the services. But we have resentment, bitterness, or ill feelings against somebody. In the church. In the church. And we have to get over it. See, we have to face the reality, go to, go to him, go to her, and reconcile, right? When we are in Christ, we have a spiritual blessing. Outside of Christ, we have sensations. So in Christ, we have positive blessings, not make-beliefs, he said, not put-ons. But as long as you're trying to say that you're in the promised land or not, your sins will find you out. Your sins will find you out. You cannot just put your old sins under a carpet, thinking that it will not haunt you later on. Before God takes you home, if you are elected bride, God will have to deal with us. Teach us, tell us, make it right. Make it right. Oh, I, I have asked forgiveness to the Lord. Yes, but make it right to the person that wronged you or you are wrong. Brother Brown was mentioning about uh, a member of the church, a couple, where the sister was committing adultery and the brother and brother Branham said, you have to ask forgiveness. Confess to your wife. I have done confessing my sins to the Lord, the woman said. And the prophet said, you did not commit adultery against the Lord, you commit adultery against your husband. And the, and the woman said, if I tell my husband, he, she, he will leave me. Right? And the prophet said, the Lord has leave you anyway. Anyway, You have to tell your husband. So he was, she was apprehensive. But when she told her husband, the husband said, I have the same thing to confess. Sometimes we will be afraid of confessing our hidden sins. 
But if we confess it, God will make it. We will be set free. Otherwise, we can get old. We can stay in a messy church for a long, long time. But it will haunt you in your deathbed. We have to make it right. You have to make it. It's not an easy thing to do. But we have to do it. Right? See? So, why, we are, why are we doing it? Because we are in the season of transition. The prophet said, we are approaching, we are living in the loudest age, the grandest of all church ages, because it's the ending of time and the blending of eternity. And, that, and then it says here that it's the greatest sinful age. So it's a glorious time for the believers. It's a dreadful time for the unbelievers. So while we are waiting for the ending of time, and the blending to eternity, we should be transitioning yeah. our, not only our physical body, our mental conceptions, our emotional things, also our spiritual, our soul, yeah. right? We have to transition little by little. When Ezra was, was rebuilding the temple, before Nehemiah built the wall, he was sent back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. He did not start from the walls. He started right in the altar. From inside out. When you want to sanctify ourselves, we start from the altar. The change or the rapture will start from the inside. Outside. In other words, if we will start from the inside, we have to get rid of all bitterness. Of all resentments. Be tender hearted one to another. That's what the Bible said. If there's any anger, wrath, lust, all these things, put it away. And you might say, Brother Vernon, you're talking to believers. We have no lust, we have no wrath, we have no. Because that demonic spirits are always present everywhere. The spirit of lust, the spirit uh, of anger or bitterness or, you know, Jealousy or envy, it's always present in a church, in a family, in a group of people. That's why there are problems in the church. But we have to address this. We have to expose this. And once this is exposed, they run away. Right? So in closing, I would say that this message will transform us from, from inside and out. We will be changed from mortality to immortality, corruptible to incorruptible. That's the final transition that we will be in. Our changing will be a twinkling of an eye. But the change or the process will take a lifetime. Once we were born again, it was a lifetime of process from justification to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And even though that we are being processed, we still make mistakes. Not intentionally. But we still make mistakes because we are in a fallen nature. But we believe, we look forward to the time that God will change us. Right now, I would say we are, we are always in the season of transition. Don't despise the transition because that is a time of preparation for us to, to, to ready ourselves for what God will be doing in our bodies. Right? And while we are doing that, while we are in this season of transition, let us look into ourselves. Let us look what, what we have, you know, the prophet said, it's not the big things that we have done. It is the small things that was left undone. 
Sometimes we have little foxes in our hearts. <laughs> we have to get rid of it. Right? We have to get rid of it. These are excess baggage. It will not help us. We have to lay aside every weight that easily beset us, as the Bible, the book of Hebrews tells us. Until we get to that point, we cannot be passionate in serving the Lord. I always pray, my brothers and sisters, that I would have the gift of Brother Branham, that when he can see the black shadow in every member. Not to condemn them, but to tell them, you have a dark shadow before you. See? But I don't have that gift to see it. But in general, I would say, let's, let's look at our hearts. If, when we go home tonight, let's look at our hearts. We have heard, this church have heard so many preaching from se- several ministers. We had a pastor that, uh, that was a witness to the prophet. But unless we look to ourselves, see what is in the, inside of our hearts, we can just be carrying on. I'm not saying that you're just carrying on. I, I believe, and I would like to believe, I trust that we are all in the same page, being passionate. But for those who are not yet passionate in serving the Lord, maybe you were born with message parents, message believers, parents with, that are message believers. You cannot inherit their belief. We have to be born again. We have to have, uh, we have to feed directly from the angel. Right? And we, got, we have to see what they saw. And then and only then we can be passionate. It, it frustrates me as a pastor when I see people in our congregation that are not passionate in serving the Lord. It hurts me. Not because they are not following the, the preaching of the word, but because they're wasting their time. They're wasting their effort. You see? Uh, Believing that they're in the church every Sunday, every midweek service, sometimes involved in some of the church activities. But until I said that you have a deeper revelation or a deeper relationship with God, things will not change. When the wind blows, when problems come into the church, they will be the first one to criticize the pastor. They will be the first one to leave the church. They will be the first one to, to, to make, you know, uh, to spread the not so good news. We call it tailbearer in the Bible. Modern day English gossip. You know, sometimes people will say, I will just say this to my best friend, nobody else. And your best friend has another best friend. And that best friend has another good friend. And that, before you know it, the whole congregation knows the negative things that this person. So every time that somebody will tell you, you know, sister, I'm so concerned with this brother, shut it down. Don't give way. If it is negative, tell them, shut up. Because it is not for the good of your soul. Or otherwise they will, you know, I, I, I don't want to tell this to anyone because you're my only best friend. And sometimes you're flattered. And then you will give an ear to listen, a shoulder to cry on. But before you know it, it these are demon spirits spreading the poison of malice. What do you do with poison? You throw it away. 
You tell the brother or the sister, if you have nothing good to say, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. But, don't, but, but remember, this kind of spirit, they will be very sweet. They will be very soft. There's no rebuke. It's full of concern. I have met that demon spirit many, many times. So I know them 100 kilometers away. <laughs> when I see that kind of spirit in our church, I, I preach against it very, very hard. And I talk to the person. Why? Because it has victimized many churches. It has victimized many believers. Sweet talkers. But they, they came from the pits of hell. So don't be ever be victimized by this kind of, of things. As we transition, more and more and more of these demonic spirits will come to our midst to break the unity, to destroy your relationship with the brothers and sisters, your relationship with God. At the end, you will fall into your own trap. And it will be too late. It will be too late. There's no way of recovering. So I guess, and I, I pray, my brothers, my sisters, that this little message is spoken to our hearts this morning. It is not something that is new. No, there's no new message. If there's a pastor or minister that will stand up here and said, I have a new message, he's the biggest liar. <laughs> because there's no new message. The message is already given to us. The gift of the fivefold ministry is to tailor fit the message to our present need. So that's what I just did. I tailor fit the quotes and the scriptures to our daily needs. And you can go home today. Maybe a few sentences that you have heard today. Not the shut up, but, uh, but some golden nuggets that you can bring home. And that will help you live by as we await in this season of transition. Can I ask you to bow our heads once again and as before I bring it back to Burton. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, there are times that we have heard so many preaching of the word, so many teaching of the word. And this time, Lord, we want to flesh this out. We want to live a life that's worthy of the gospel. We want, to be, we want this to be more real to us. I don't know about my brothers and sisters here. I, I trust that they, they, they have a deeper relationship to you. But as we pass through this season of transition, may we all transition to the person that you want us to be. We have read all these verses. We have read all these quotes. But unless you make it real to us, it will just be part of our memory. So I pray, Father God, Lord, make these words real to us. Let it not be just a mental conception, but a true spiritual revelation in our hearts. Bless my brothers and my sisters, O oh God. Continue to work in our life. Continue to let your Holy Spirit lead the people, the ministers, the deacons, and all that is caring for the flocks, O oh God. Thank you once again for this service, O oh God. And I pray, Lord, that you get all the glory and the honor for we ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody would say, Amen. Amen. God bless you all.
How many enjoyed that? I did indeed. I did indeed. One of my favorite scripture I've highlighted here in Proverbs 4 and verse 13. I've used it for my children as they grew up. The assembly as I've preached over the years. The Bible says in Proverbs 4 and 13. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her for she is thy life. And I believe the Holy Spirit has given us great instruction. Friday night, Sunday morning, instruction. How to treat one another, how to speak about one another, how to act around one another. We don't, we don't just hear these types of messages and then forget about them when we go out. We say, Lord, would you now penetrate my heart and inscribe that instruction in my innermost being that I could become that word. And when Brother Bram said the word has become flesh and the flesh has become the word, that's how you do it. You just don't hear it. We take it within ourselves. Those, that was awesome instruction. I shouldn't use it, but we will remember that. Shut up. My father always used to tell me, son, I said, yeah, dad. He'd say, if you can't say anything good, I'm sure most of us can repeat that. Don't say it at all. We need to build up one another in the faith. Encourage them in the word. Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet and let's sing something that's very personal. It's me. It's me, oh Lord. Don't look and say, well, that, you know, that part, you know, that was for David Chabernoff. No, that was for me. Don't look around the room and say, well, that was for him. No, that was for you. So that we could hear the word of God and apply it within our lives. It's me. It's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's me. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my father nor my mother, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my brother, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Yes, it's me, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord Standing in the need of prayer Let's sing it again It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord Standing in the need of prayer It's me, it's me, oh Lord Standing in the need of prayer 
you've sung it. Now, do you mean it? Maybe you'd like to lift up your heart to him and say, Lord, I take your word this morning. I'm not just a hearer of the word, but I'm a doer of the word. It's me, Lord. In this time of transition, it's me, Lord. You're transitioning me into a body change. It's me, oh Lord. I need some old baggage left behind. It's me, oh Lord. Let that blood, let that word wash me. It's me, oh Lord. Heavenly Father, with my hands lifted up and my mouth full of praise, that I can hear the word of God and I can say, It's me, Lord. It's me, Lord. I'll take that instruction. I'll seize that word. I'll apply it to my life. Lord, not just the knowledge of it, Lord, but to live that word within our hearts and in our lives. Not thinking of somebody else, but thinking of ourselves. That we could apply what the man of God has ministered this morning. Let me receive the word now. And may it become flesh within our hearts and our lives. Many hands raised, both of mine are. Songwriter said, to be like Jesus. Oh, to be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like him. Lord, this message came that it could do its transforming work within our lives. Not lip sync it but to live it and love it. And so, Father God, I just pray that that word will be anchored deeply within the heart of your children. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Overcoming power What we have today It's overcoming confession I love the book of Romans Rome, yet you take Romans 1 all the way and you see how brother Vernon had labeled Romans 6 Romans 7, Romans 8 it's, it's a wonderful it was, when I first got saved that was my favorite book 
the book of Romans. But a, a lot of times we can look at Romans 7 to make excuse for a lot of things. When I would do good, evil is present, so those things that I shouldn't do, I do good, do, and those things that I don't do, I should do. And we make excuse until a prophet came. And he said, in things that are to be, that which was inside you pulls this body subject to the word of the Lord. So you don't give excuse to no devil. Say, well, that's just my flesh. It's the word in you that's going to pull this flesh under subjection and put sin dominion under your feet. We can, all, we, we can major on Romans 7, and brother, which Brother Vernon didn't do. It just encouraged me, Brother Vernon. Because I go to, I like, I like Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation. I might fall, but sin is still under my feet. Amen. Yes, sir, we're in this transition, all right. Satan, this might be your Eden, but we're going to heaven. Amen. I'm getting ready to go. Are you in that number? Getting ready to go. Some folks are building hopes down here and planning. With their fortunes, they forgot what Jesus said. About the wars and earthquakes and the victory money. But there's a group of people getting ready to leave. Ready to leave in a twinkling of an by heeding the word that you heard this morning. We're getting ready to leave. A messenger has come. And there's a five-fold ministry thundering out that message. Are you in that number getting Some folks are building hopes down here and banning ahead. Investments 
twinkling of an eye. Sweep over us, Lord. Let the Holy Ghost move upon us. Well, you heard blessed word Friday night, Sunday morning, and by the grace of God and by the word of the Lord that you heard today, you're not having to swim to the Philippines. Vancouver to Cloverdale is a very short distance. Do you love Jesus? Be here Wednesday night. Yep. You know, I'm a kind of preacher that looks at you. So I know who's going to be there and who's not going to be there. So I wouldn't miss Wednesday for anything, saints. This has been golden, golden messages that you can apply to every area of our life. Let's bow our heads one more time. Father, we've just rejoiced, Lord. So true. Your prophet's word's always true. You'll bring men to the pulpit knowing what we need. And we believe, Lord, you've led Brother Vernon to be here this week because you know exactly how to speak tenderly, how to speak pointedly, how to speak lovingly. And so we thank you for our precious brother, man. We thank you for the molding hands of God that has shaped a vessel that we can rejoice in the word. Bless your servant. Bless each one, Lord, as we go our way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just give me your hand. Let's agree together oh let's put them under our feet Shake one another's hand. God bless you. You're dismissed.